0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Footy A to Z podcast. Round 7 is done and dusted in the banks. We have just returned from watching the Western Bulldogs defeat uh, the Bombers at Marvel Stadium which we'll come to talking about a little bit later on. Um, so yeah, an interesting game to t- dissect, interesting round of footy that happened over the weekend. Um, before we get into that, a quick apology though. You may have just noticed I said episode 3 and episode 2 might be uh, it'd be a little bit hard to find, or you might have missed it. So, we had some COVID drama over the week. We have recorded episode two. You can find it. Zach, do you want to tell people where they can find it?
1: Yeah. So, basically, we um, had a bit of drama, as Andrea said, and we ended up recording on uh, the, the Tuesday, which we would normally like to upload on. So, threw us out a little bit and a uh, bit of a,
0: a crazy week. But... We couldn't meet in person either. So, we recorded it over the internet. So, it's a little bit weird and a little yes. bit kind of chopped together. Yeah. Um, but if you want to hear us talk about St Kilda and JWS, the game that now happened two weeks ago, track it down and have a listen.
1: Yeah, for the sake of continuity, it'll still be up on, on your podcast services. Just look us up on 48 to Z
0: on wherever you get your podcasts and uh, with any luck, you'll find us. If you get your podcast somewhere and you can't find us as well, please let us know because we're doing our best to become that wherever you get your podcast kind of guys. Yeah. Um, so if you find one that we've missed,
1: Swing it our way. Exactly. Let us know. But anyway, as you said this week, we're going to talk about the Western Bulldogs in Essendon. Uh, Did you watch any other footy besides that match?
0: Not really. Um, It's been a very hectic weekend this weekend, but I managed to watch maybe like 20 minutes of West Coast Richmond uh, and then kind of decided I knew what was happening and didn't really need to watch any more of the game than that. Um, Otherwise, I caught, yeah, the last two, three minutes of... Geelong Fremantle, um, which was another interesting game, and, and Freo look like maybe they are the real deal after all. We talked about that a little bit last week as well, but but Freo definitely making that spot in the top four their own in the early part of the season. Again with No Five as well, just you know
1: he's just looming in the banks. And um, Longmire was saying that he's uh, had a really open conversation with Fife that he'll play wherever the team needs him to as well, so it shouldn't really be kind of any teething issues there from a, a team dynamic point of view. Uh, admittedly, I basically watched no footy except for this as well, but can lay claim to having played eight quarters over the weekend. Yes. Um, I don't. I'm not sure we've ever mentioned on here, but we actually play in the same team together. So we played on Friday night, had a had a nice win, uh, and then another team with our club was short on the Saturday, so I, I backed it up. Uh, you had work, unfortunately, but um, yeah. Did How it, you feeling? Did you? another four quarters. I pulled up really well Saturday morning, uh, pulled up very badly Sunday morning. The hamstrings are rocks
0: today. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, do your hamstrings still exist? Or have they <laughs> just teleported themselves oh, to another dimension? They
1: certainly exist and they're certainly making themselves well known.
0: <laughs> um, cool. So we didn't really watch much footy over the weekend. We'll get that out of the way. I guess uh, the interesting footy news story that kind of caught my attention from during the week though, uh, was that it was kind of a nice heartwarming story to see Aaron Phillips becoming the first... Uh, player to sign for Port Adelaide's AFLW team.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And I think it was on the way to training this week. Um, the announcement had kind of just come out and Greg Phillips was actually on SEN. Uh, so I caught that interview, cool. which was just great listening. Uh, he was just so bubbly, so proud, paid really good respect to the Adela- Adelaide Crows and kind of spoke about the the supporting role that he had to play and kind of put his, mm. his power pride to, to one side just for the time being, but um is super pumped to to pull the scarf back on and um yeah, cheer on Aaron. And yeah, I don't think even Adelaide supporters surely deep down, uh, you'd you'd be hard pressed to find someone who isn't excited to see Erin
0: Phillips playing for Port Adelaide. Yeah, there's like quotes flying around, you know, what she dreamed of since she was, was a little girl to represent the same club her dad did. So it's going to be uh, very emotional to see her run out for the power next year. And I'm also really looking forward to that first AFLW showdown, um, which would be now an even spicier affair. Yeah, yeah absolutely. This is kind of kicking off the rivalry and as well.
1: Talk of Erin potentially luring a couple more Adelaide players over as well, so yeah plenty more spice into the dish there but uh speaking of of games that are quite entertaining and fierce the one we watched today at marvel <laughs> uh maybe maybe anything but yeah maybe not quite so we were actually there so the the first podcast that we've done where we've actually attended the game yeah it worked out well so we just earmarked um to get down to marvel it's a strange
0: place Yeah, we were kind of, we got into Marvel Stadium, admittedly, you know, as Richmond supporters, not a place we go very often, famously. Um, We got there, we sat down, and we just kind of looked around with the roof closed, and we were like, we could be 100 meters underground right now, and we would have no idea.
1: Yeah, Um, just at an International Space Station, (laughs) watching. Kind
0: of a weird little (laughs) time warp that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the, the best comparison we ended up arriving was it's very much that you're in the cinemas kind of feeling and you just have no idea
0: what world you're going to walk out to afterwards um, but it was nice to be at the game and sitting up high i think we commented you know you, you from an analysis perspective you can see the whole field and you get a lot of value out of it that you don't really get watching it on the broadcast and the tv um, yeah so that was fun as well and just you know being at a game at a new, as a neutral is kind of a fun perspective too you can almost just kind of like relax and watch the footy a bit more without being so invested in your team
1: yeah plenty of conversation this week about broadcast deals and and the likes yeah everyone's kind of talking about you know shows around the game and frequency of games and free to air and whatnot my one wish to broadcast this is to just zoom the bloody camera out <laughs> yeah. so we can see what's going on so yeah. yeah being at a game and not having just being a neutral but not having the personal kind of connection to either team um yeah i really enjoy just being able to observe the structures uh as as a as a footy nerd would.
0: I think that having that neutral perspective as well, one of the things we commented on was that a lot of people yelling at the umpires just sounded very silly the whole yeah. time. Whereas when you're doing it and your team's involved you think you're a perfectly rational human being.
1: Yeah, it's just strange. The the stuff people complain about, Yeah, you know, all the things that have happened and that that's what you <laughs> what you pipe up about is just a little bit random and and never nice to hear kids yelling at the umpires mm-hmm. as well. There were, were a couple of young people around. So, yeah, not not something you really want to see um, from from a young audience where the AFL's really trying to make a big effort to, to up that respect for umpires.
0: I think the other thing that we got a, a nice view of... Um, which is something that a few people have actually asked for on the channel before as well. So maybe if we get a chance to do a few more of these, we can turn it into a video. But was the the Ford 50 setups at center bounces. Um, The Bombers going with a very kind of organized line of players most of the time, whereas the Bulldogs would kind of adopt this kind of 3-2-1 formation where they'd have their smalls up right on the arc and then their talls a little bit deeper. Um, Which is kind of interesting to see that perspective, which you don't really get on the TV a lot of the time. For soccer fans, it was
1: almost like the Essendon uh, not going across the field, though. Going up the field was like that classic at the corner uh, when the commentator goes, they're they're all at the bus stop, everyone's got their ticket. And um, yeah, they were just in a neat little row, basically leading up the spine of the ground. And probably the Bulldogs really putting that emphasis on stretching the ground was just a pattern that we saw not just at
0: stoppages but uh just across the entire match kind of making marvel look bigger than it was yeah i'm really trying i think a lot of the time to, to suck the game over to one side and then all of a sudden release it um out the other so i guess kind of the main takeaway that we had from the game and the reason the bulldogs were able to set up such a, a convincing win for themselves was that they just did it way too easily off half back, pretty much all day and that was a big part of it is that that ability to open up the ground for themselves um and really Pinpoint their way and slice their way through. Um, Caleb Daniel looked like pretty much one of the best players on the ground all day. Uh, Bailey Dale was great as well. So 32 touches for Daniel, 28 touches for Dale. Uh, And when you throw Ed Richards in to that trio, sort of floating across halfback as well, uh, about 1,800 metres gained between the three of them. So even though the, the possession stats and the stoppage stats were actually quite even, um, and, you know, the Bombers actually did quite well with with Parrish and Merritt around the ball. As soon as it went to transitioning from end-to-end, end, the Bulldogs absolutely um, did that part of the game a lot better than the Bombers all day.
1: And some of that field kicking was just phenomenal. Like the confidence to, to really hit to players running on what we would maybe call unusual diagonal leads away from the ball carry at times mm. into the wings was just really just... Class A and and a pleasure to watch at times. I'm not sure whether you mentioned there the bounces, 12 to 13 for the Bulldogs, yep. was ridiculous and actually a really good measure of just how much time and space a team has. Um, and the amount of times that perhaps Dale even started a chain of play, uh, whether he won a free kick or took a kick out, and then was on the end of a ball coming in or delivering the ball inside fifty again as well. Yep. Just showing really poor accountability from Essence half forwards. You actually made a comment um, on Guelphie kicking the first goal. Oh, that's Daniel's man, you know, like that's kind of one that he's managed to sneak back on Daniel playing a more attacking yep. role and he's gotten out straight away. And from that moment basically that was the the end of any kind of claim Guelphie had in that battle and Daniel just ran off him all day and yep. you didn't
0: really see Guelphie apply any more pressure to him. Yeah, Daniel pretty much did whatever he wanted um, across half-back for a lot of the day. It was interesting as well, from, from up high, you could see he'd kind of pick his moments to maybe come up and sit a bit closer off the back of the stoppage at times, if he felt like that's where he needed to be, or uh, sometimes sitting a bit deeper off and sort of sweeping across half-back a little bit more as well. But yeah, both both Daniel and Dale, really good at being involved in that first passage of play and then taking off and getting the handball receive or something like that a little bit bit further up the ground.
1: No Will Snelling in the Essendon side today as well. Uh, anyone who's watched the channel might have noticed him pop up surprisingly highly in our All Australian videos in the pressure forward stat. Yeah. So that might be, you know, an area where they were kind of lacking from his input there to to maybe go to one of Daniel or Dale and
0: just be a bit of a nuisance. Mm. Um, but yeah, just way too easy for them on that account. Speaking of players we like as well, uh, it was good to see All Australian by the stats for Mitch Wallace. Back in the side and, and playing, you know, a, a decent game. Playing his role, I think, is that um, goal-kicking, but also pressure applying forward. A couple of goals for Wallace. And, and looked lively and dangerous around that Bulldogs forward line too. Yeah, just managed to find himself a little bit
1: of space, which is, is yeah, as you said, that's his role, that's his job. Kick a couple of goals and, um, yeah, just just good. I don't think there's a person, uh, you know, across the league who, who really takes any offense from Mitch Wallace doing bad doing well I mean so no one wants to see him do badly yeah. and it's, it's always kind of the consensus that he's too good a player to be playing in the twos yeah. as well and would would get into just about most other sides in the competition uh, hopefully he can find a way and the Bulldogs can find a way to uh, keep him in the best 22 this year yep um,
0: another player who I think also snuck into our, our All-Australian by the stats team last year and maybe even the year before was Zach Merritt uh, the leading possession getter on the ground with thirty six touches today, twenty seven of them handballs. We were looking through it, and he was he was first for possessions, but kind of like fifteenth or something for meters gained around the ground. Yeah, I think in the three hundreds, and like that twenty seven
1: handballs for thirty seven touches. Zach Merritt, you'd probably put in the top five best kicks in the AFL, and mm-hmm. he's having. You're the maths guy. Whatever (laughs) percentage of his handballs, of his disposals, his handballs—slightly more than two thirds. It's like that. Although they were very good handballs, and he was more often finding a target than not, the Bombers really lacked that kind of conviction with the ball. Uh, on the outside yep. um, so that's maybe something where they really need to reassess maybe Merritt and Parrish competing with the same ball for the same ball there and they need to maybe layer their midfield structure a bit more mm-hmm. so that maybe Parrish wins the ball and is able to then release Merritt and then he becomes the kicking player Yeah, because that's something that they really missed today uh, especially in comparison to how good the Bulldogs halfbacks were.
0: Yeah, so, so Merritt, 36 touches, 27 handballs. Parrish, 32 touches, 19 handballs. Interestingly, Dylan Scheel sat out most of the first part of the game until he came on um, as the medical sub a little bit later. So he's another one, perhaps, who you'd maybe look at as that line-breaking player, Nick Hind, not in the side mm. at the moment. Um, also, potentially a player who could, could give some of that polish off halfback. And, um, and I, I mean, even, you know, you look at the stats and, and you see... Dyson Heppel and Mason Redmond across half back for Essendon still got heaps of the ball as well but I think you used the word conviction a few moments ago which is a great way of capturing it the Bulldogs and that you know those 12 bounces to three again really shows you just looked like they actually wanted to achieve something whenever they got the ball off half back whereas the Bombers would get the ball off half back and and there was no dare and no, no urgency to try and mm. move it forward. Yeah, because Redmond was
1: actually one who I was looking at his kick-to-handball ratio and his kicks were quite high, but he still had a very similar metres gain to Merritt Parish. So probably a lot of kicks, just kind of those short 45s, Yeah, very, much deeper in the ground than they would probably want, uh, trying to pick the way through the zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, no real
0: line-breaking ability to, to try and get him to, to get the ball a bit deeper. And, and I guess it's easy to sit here and say, oh, you know, the Bombers weren't that great at transitioning off half-back and maybe should have taken the game on. But it's also always important to in discussions like this to acknowledge that that also means the Bulldogs were quite well set up behind the ball. So, you know, obviously you're not going to rush if you look up and you just see a, 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 you see a sea of Western Bulldogs jumpers. Surely I can find a better way to say that in the future, maybe. A but pack. A pack, <laughs> a swarm. <laughs> yeah, a pack of, uh, of Bulldogs jumpers in front of you. That's not, you know, that's not encouraging you to take the game on. So when a team is able to, to do that defensively and set up well behind the ground, uh, sorry, behind the ball, around the ground, definitely uh, helps to, to stifle that transition. The Bulldogs, and this is actually something we're seeing from a lot of teams at the moment, also quite willing to give that kick away that almost traps a team kind of just outside 50 on the halfback flank. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you let them come outside 50, but you trap them out wide on one of the flanks, which essentially allows your whole zone to shift across and just block the team into that side of the ground.
1: Yeah, it's just a bit of a ring of fire around the ball. Melbourne do it by far the best in the comp and and no surprises there, really. Uh, We know how good their zone is. Um, I would have liked to see Essendon probably try and switch the ball more. I think there were a couple of times where it's just that first option, best option. They would look inside, think about the switch and then kind of just kick it down and down the line instead yeah and it just kind of fell into that bit of a a repetitive pattern um yeah in in a game where it felt like the bombers were just doing the same thing over and over again and not really getting anywhere would have liked to see them
0: just take a couple more risks try and get out to the fat side (laughs) definitely and and you know the bulldogs would do that at times and it wouldn't work every time but they seemed more open to trying it and failing instead of just going straight for that bailout kick down the line. Um, A bomber who I think probably could hold his head up high after the game was Jordan Ridley. Um, Did a good job. I think Laverde on him at times as well, but with Aaron Norton and kept him quiet pretty much for the entire first half. He came into the game a little bit in the third, but to be honest, by the time Norton was getting a bit more involved, the game was probably over anyway.
1: Yeah, well, while Ridley is probably a bit more of a a slighter build for a key a key defender he probably has that kind of athleticism that's required to go with someone like Norton yeah uh, so they they had really quite a good battle and Norden was still leading up plenty but just couldn't quite take any of his trademark big pack marks and Ridley was just basically right over his shoulder the entire match making sure that was the that was the case Zach Reed in for the Bombers as well very lanky fellow but looks like he could be a good player little bit in that kind of gibcus mold of just really athletic <laughs> yeah springy tall defenders that are, are starting to pop up taylor as well for the giants yeah a few years older but yeah probably comparable um yeah just getting games into him i think is just always going to be a positive thing for essendon at this stage and looked good in a couple of contests got found out a couple of times i think a uh, uh, holding the ball against him that maybe led to a goal but mm. um yeah yeah, like you said, Norton quiet, but the smalls really chipping in. Cody Waitman kicked a kicked a goal and let the uh, the and Bombers and fans in front the of us squad know all about it. Yeah, absolutely yeah.
0: know all about it. And um, the kind of player that G's like, you can see why everyone gets annoyed at him, but boy, you'd love to have him on your team. He's almost become the new Hayden Valentine, I think the the competition in a way, um, lately. But the way he attacks the ball and you you just see. He's that kind of player, whenever the ball hits the ground inside 50, he just wants it. And he's just going to do whatever he can to try and get to it. And then once he gets it, he just wants to kick a goal. And there was one, I can't remember, I think it was was Cordy he pulled it back to in the forward pocket, but he had dodged around a couple, managed to win the ball, was about to take a, you know, a, a risky snap from the boundary and just saw Cordy on his own at the last second and managed to pull it back. Yeah, it
1: just took every fibre of his self-control <laughs> to, to do the team thing. And I'm sure he has you know great team values and just wants success for the Bulldogs. Mm. But yeah, it's not necessarily a bad quality that he wants to take it upon himself and, and be the one who kind of bursts through the lines and kick, mm. kicks the goal there. Uh, lots of diagonal runs, as we said, of half-back for the Bulldogs. Probably a bit more dynamic ball movement than we've seen from them throughout the year. Yep. The bont looked really good, marking around the ground at times, yeah. although he didn't have a massive possession game. Yeah, just He popped up when in, he needed to. Yeah, yeah, fit into the structure well. Kicked a, a goal, I think. And um,
0: Yeah, so it's maybe worth talking a little bit more about some of those diagonal runs that we saw the Bulldogs doing, because they were kind of interesting. And, and obviously just looking to change angles. So that a defensive team can't really settle in to a transition that much. But looking, I think the the one that we really remarked on that seemed kind of interesting to us was was that kick to someone running diagonally away from goal, coming out of the back line. Where, you know, traditionally you'd look to hit a midfielder or a half forward leading up at the kicker. Um, But if they managed to kind of manufacture some space in the zone in behind, they'd have someone run diagonally through. Um, in, in which case they could take a mark and almost just get it and keep going further yeah. on up the ground when it worked. Um, yeah, and there were a couple of times where they went end-to-end in a couple of kicks, and that that kind of momentum is, is probably the reason why. Yeah, I thought an interesting game from the perspective of the Bulldogs' midfield as well. Um, you know, the bont was good, stood up when he needed to, didn't have a huge impact in terms of numbers and possessions. McRae was also probably, you know, still had a very good game, but not as prolific as he often is um it was probably kind of well held out of it by some of the bombers mids throughout the course of the game as well um but they're you know able to cover for that pretty well um Treloar was good at times it provided a lot of pace and run and and josh dunkley had a really good game as well kind of in that floating mid forward sort of role yeah and probably as we touched on
1: uh Merit and parish winning the ball at the source so much as well probably cancels out someone like McCrae's Output, But yeah, and then it it really was just those outside runners even for the mids mids as well that were really performing well. That sees the Bulldogs climb up to 10th now after what was a very slow and unexpected start. Um, But kind of following that trend that we've seen from grand final losers over the past couple of years just finding it tough to get going again uh, regardless of of how good their list may be. Uh, And the Bombers...
0: Sitting 16th, I believe. Yeah. Um, just With still just the one win.
1: We were making season. a little joke that the footy HZ curse lives on. Uh, it seems that sometimes when we make a, um, a specific A video, video specific
0: to a team. Yeah. Then
1: um, they are immediately cursed, uh, meaning that they, they start playing badly. Something happened last year with, with Carlton. We saying whether they could jump up the ladder... Uh, a couple of years ago much like brisbane did although that maybe might start
0: i still hold that we were now. right that video was right we were just early yeah just <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> very <laughs> we before were, it was cool we were talking up carlton before carlton were ready for it yes um, they just didn't know it yet and then it happened to richmond as well we made that video about richmond's premiership era and pretty much as soon as we released it they started losing games last season
1: yeah, and now Essendon have done the same this year, so...
0: Sorry, Bombers fans, it's all our
1: fault. Yeah, and, you know, we often get people saying, oh, please make a video about my team, or when, when are you going to make a video about my team? Just be careful what you wish for sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, maybe request that we make a video about your rivals instead could be the tactical the go. Uh, so our camera just died, but maybe it saved us from us as rambling a little bit in the outro. Uh, but we're we're just gonna power on with um, a still screen and and finish off the podcast.
0: If you're still watching, thank you. Um, and we figure that if you've made it this far, you're dedicated enough to listen to us for like two more minutes without actually seeing our faces.
1: Yeah, I'll chuck our little cartoons up on the screen
0: uh, just so you don't feel too lonely. But maybe we um, can cut this bit out of the the podcast audio version because they don't even need to know that the audio cut out the video. The video, yes, they don't even, they don't need to know the video cut out
1: anyways <laughs> looking to next week uh, we think we've pulled out a, a picked out a game just by process of elimination uh, we can't actually watch any other game except for Richmond Collingwood which we're going to yeah. and it actually probably looks like the most interesting round of the game why is that
0: most interesting game of the round yes yes um, so eighth versus ninth Richmond Collingwood yeah um, Collingwood a bit of a surprise packet Richmond kind of around I guess Where we sort of expected them to be In the middle of the field Sometimes maybe good Sometimes maybe not good Um, Yeah can win or lose on any given week Against any opponent And two teams Yeah I guess who've, Who've both been a little bit like that so far this year So it'll be very interesting to see How they match up against each other A traditional Saturday afternoon slot uh, at the MCG as well. So hopefully it should be a huge crowd there and, and a game and an atmosphere that we always really enjoy um, and, and very much looking forward to. So I know we've already talked about Collingwood. Sorry, um, we're gonna get through every team eventually at some point this year. So uh, hopefully it should enable us to, to build on what we talked about Collingwood the last time and kind of go back and revisit some of those comments that we made and see how they've progressed perhaps a little bit more since then. Uh, have a look at the Tigers. And then maybe if we you know, feel like we've talked about Collingwood too much, we can talk a bit more about the context of the season overall next week as well.
1: Absolutely. All Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave you there. Remember to um, like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a review. Uh, be, a, be the first to leave a review on any pod, <laughs> podcast platform if you so desire. That would be great. And, um We'll hopefully catch you next week for the the Match of the Week podcast. There might be some music here as well. We'll see what happens. Maybe there won't be. Maybe it'll be next week.